This morning, in preparing for our time together and observing the Lord's table, uh, we're going to be looking into God's Word briefly. You know, of all the miracles that Jesus performed in the presence of his disciples that are recorded in the gospel, only one of them is recorded in all four gospels. And the fact that there's only one that's recorded by all four gospel writers tells us there's some vital truths, there's some vital lessons that we can learn from this um, that God wants to communicate to us through this miracle. The miracle that I'm referring to is the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. So this morning, I would like us to prepare our hearts for the time of communion by looking briefly at this miracle and then just to reflect on two important lessons that we can learn from it. So we're going to examine this miracle as it's recorded primarily from John's gospel. So turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Now verses 1 to 4, John basically sets up the context for this miracle. By the time Jesus, uh, at this time, Jesus had reached the height of his popularity in Palestine. Crowds were following him from place to place, not because they believed in him, but because they were interested in seeing him perform miracles. When Jesus and disciples arrived on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, they found that a crowd was waiting for them as they arrived. So Jesus and disciples withdrew from the crowd and headed up into the hillside and sat down. Then in verses 5 to 9, we're going to look at the circumstances of the miracle. Notice verse 5. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, Jesus saw the crowd approaching and he's aware that these people were tired, that they were hungry. So he turns to Philip and he asks him a question. Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? John, the writer of this gospel, in the very next verse, tells us something very significant about this question that Jesus asked. He says in verse 6, This he was saying to test him, for he, knew, he himself knew what he was intending to do. Jesus wasn't asking this question because he didn't know where to get the food or how he was going to feed the people. He knew exactly what he was going to do. But he asked the questions for the benefit of his disciples. He wanted them to think through the problem. He wanted them to use this situation. At, he wanted to use the situation as an opportunity to teach them some valuable lessons. Well, all the disciples heard the question that Jesus posed to Philip. And I picture the disciples gathering together, discussing among themselves, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed the people? So they came up with some possible solutions to the problem. Now, in order to get a fuller picture of, of the disciples' response to Jesus' questions, we're going to just take a moment and harmonize all four of the Gospels. The first solution 
is found in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 35 and 36. And it says there, when it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, the place is desolate and it's already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countrysides, villages, and buy themselves something to eat. Well, the disciples came up with this brilliant idea of sending the people away to get their own food. No people, no problem. You know, so often, uh, like the disciples, we think that the solution to our problem is to ch a change in our circumstance. Solution number two, found it back in John chapter 6, verse 7. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. Philip made the assessment of the situation, did some calculations, came to the conclusion if they were to come up with 200 denarii, that's eight months worth of wages, and bought bread, there wouldn't be enough for everybody to have a small bite. The people would still be hungry. You know, so often like the disciples, we think that the solution to our problem is money, finance. While the disciples aren't done yet, they came up with yet another solution. That's found in John chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. One of the disciples, Andrew, Philip Peter's brother, said, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fishes. But what are these among so many? Peter's brother, Andrew, was a little bit more optimistic. He went among the people, the crowds, to see what resources were available. However, he only found a little boy who had a very small lunch of five barley loaves and two fishes. Even at his suggestion, Andrew realized that's impossible to feed 5,000 people with such a small amount of food. You know, so often, like the disciples, we think the solution to our problems is found in human resources. Well, at this point, the disciples ran out of suggestions. Uh, I picture them saying, we give up, Lord. Uh, we don't know how to feed all these people. Now, at this point, Jesus has the disciples where he wanted them to be. The stage was now set for him to teach them some vital lessons through the performing of the miracle. Now, verses 10 and 11, John records the performance of the miracle. Probably most of us are familiar with how Jesus executed this miracle. He had all the people sit down in groups. He took the bread and, and the fish. He gave thanks. He broke it. He distributed, had the disciples distribute the food among the people until everyone had eaten enough. We know that a miracle took place because, number one, everyone, all 5,000 plus people were completely satisfied. And there were 12 large baskets of leftovers. 
Now, what lesson was our Lord trying to teach our disciples through this situation and the miracle that he performed? There are a number of lessons, but I just want to bring out two. Lesson number one, the solution to our problem is found in Christ alone. Jesus Christ presented this problem to the disciples because he wanted them to look to him rather than anyone else or anything else for the answer. They had seen the Lord perform miracle after miracle after miracle. So it would be so natural for them to turn to Christ to feed the hungry crowd. But think about it. Here, standing right before them is the Son of God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who had the ability and the power to do anything. But they never thought of turning to him and asking him to feed the crowd. They didn't see further than themselves and their own human earthly resources that were before them. Lesson number two, the solution to our problem is a recognition of our inability and Christ's ability. When Christ said to the disciples, where are we going to get food to feed all these hungry people? The answer should have been, Lord, it's impossible for us to do. But with you, all things are possible. The Lord wanted his disciples to acknowledge their own inability and his ability to do the impossible. You know, the Bible clearly teaches us that every one of us as human beings are in an impossible situation. We have a problem that we can do nothing about, and that problem is called sin. We're all born sinners and therefore under judgment of a holy and righteous God. We deserve death. We deserve to be eternally separated from God because of our sin. And it is impossible for us to remove that sin or the penalty of that sin. But yet, the scripture says, while we were yet helpless, God sent his son into the world to do what was impossible for us to do. He came to pay for the penalty of the sins of all those who would believe in him in order to provide them forgiveness of sin and eternal life. The only way any of us can be saved is by trusting in Christ alone and in no one else or anything else. In fact, John uh, states in chapter 20, verse 31, the very reason why he recorded this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 and six other miracles, is so that you might believe in the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, the Lord's table is a time for those of us who have believed in Christ to remember what he has done for us, that he did what was impossible for us to do ourselves. He died on the cross. He took the penalty that we deserve so that we might live. If you're here this morning, if you trusted Christ alone 
to save you from your sins, then we invite you to join us in remembering and thanking him for doing what we could not do ourselves. If you're here this morning and you never trusted Christ as your savior, then we're glad that you're here. However, this time of remembrance is, is intended only for those who believe in Christ. I would encourage you not to take the elements, but to simply pass the tray on to the next person. And I also would encourage you to take the time after the service to ask the person that maybe invited you or to talk to one of the elders, the pastors in our church about how Jesus Christ is the only answer to the problem of sin in our lives. Before we as believers participate in this time of remembrance, the scripture encourages us to examine ourselves, to make sure that we are walking in the light, that we're walking in obedience to Christ and his word and walking in fellowship with him before we take of the elements. So I'd like to ask the gentleman to come forward and to distribute the communion elements. And after you receive the elements, when your heart is ready, please take them on your own. <laughs> 